This is your Anime DGens with the Weekly Rundown. What's up, guys? Just to remind you before we get into the actual weekly rundown, every Tuesday we're going to be doing the weekly rundown, and then on Thursdays we're going to do, be doing our normal fun DGen stuff. Um, that's a little reverse of how we had it last week, but we're still learning, trying to figure things out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man. So what we have on the docket for today in order is one, Mashal and Muscles Episode 2, My Home Hero Episode 2 and 3, Hell's Paradise Episode 3. Insomniacs After School, Episode 2, Demon Slayer, Season 3, Episode 2, and One Piece, 1058. Dan, look, you want to get us started? All, yeah, I didn't want to say, look at all these cute little shows on Episode 1 and 2, and then One Piece out here just <laughs> flexing, flexing a thousand plus episodes as it should. <laughs> it's freaking insane that there's a show with a thousand episodes and running. We're not even close to done. It's like no. the Iliad and the Odyssey, dude. It's, it's that long. <laughs> Set with more reaction shots. <laughs> I don't know, man. I haven't, read, I haven't read those, so there might be some reaction shots in there. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, actually? Who knows? But awesome. Yeah, so to start, we're going to get into Mashal. Uh, the episode two is called Mash in the Mysterious Maze. Ooh, spooky. Mm. So Mash gets to Easton Magic Academy and has to pass the entrance exam which includes a terrifying maze. What a great summary. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, who wrote that? I'm, I'm messing. Really, I mean, really, really I mean. gives a fantastic <laughs> idea. Because that's really all that happened. I mean, there was yeah. a lot in there, but that, that's the moral of the story. You that's know? the bulk of That was the bulk of the episode. But uh, I think we opened up and like all of the, I'm going to say students that were trying to get into it, um, were just kind of in a field. And we had like the exam overlord professor Lucci kind of just like peering out of a window and he immediately notices Mash because everybody else is, you know, cleaning their wands, you know, looking at their spell books and whatnot. And Mash is just doing what he always do, does and like is pumping iron. Yeah, is he reading a, reading a book that's about like good form and everything else too? Like <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, I was so surprised Lucci was like ragging on him for being a slacker. I was like, bro, man is swole. Like he's obviously very uh, disciplined at the very least. Well, I'll oh, go for it, Tyler. I was, I was going to say, I think that uh, his style of uh, um, workouts and stuff is looked down upon, though. Like, they're in, he's not doing, like, magical stuff, so he's deemed lazy, you know? That's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Gonna, that's what I was going to say. You're trying to get into magic school here, not muscle school, you know? And he's out here just pumping iron in the most ridiculous way that Mash <laughs> likes to do his, his 1,000 reps per minute. Bro, d does he not sound like a hummingbird when he's doing it? Oh, does 100%, anybody get dude. that? I get that, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like so. a hummingbird yeah. flapping his wings, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, uh, they said that uh, there's only a 3% pass rate for this entrance, entrance exam. What do y'all think about that? It's crazy. I honestly, like, thought it'd be like 40 or 50% um, because. I don't see how Mash 
<laughs> who was going to get in for on like 3%. I know he has like some serious physical abilities, but I, I thought that was a little <laughs> nuts. I was like, 3%, bro. Like I could, I got a better chance of getting into Yale than he does into this fucking school. <laughs> well, this is one of the most prestigious schools in the magic world of Nashville. But you got to think about it. I mean, there were probably, what, 100 kids there, 60 to 100 kids there. And you figure an average class size is 20 to 30. So that kind of makes sense. Checks out. Well, the, the thing is, like, the, the obstacles that they went through, they don't even seem that hard. Um, so it's it's just mind-baffling to me that it's so low of a percentage. So maybe True. it's the interview that stops a lot of people from getting in. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it seemed like a lot of people were left. Like, so yeah. they did like the magic exam on the paper. They had something with some water and like left in a boulder. And then end was in the maze. But there were still like, what'd you guys say? Probably 30, 40 people left? Probably. I, I, were, they dropping, least, right? were they dropping them off if they couldn't pass something? I can't remember. Yeah, they were. Okay. Because I was going to say, they lost probably about half the people that first for that first test. I mean, the only way mash passes by scaring the paper and to get he scared it straight. That was it, you know. Like, that shit was that was my uh, one of my favorite parts of the episode, if not my favorite. So basically, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. So basically, it was this piece of paper and it, it was uh, enchanted. So it wasn't in any order. The words were moving all over, and the goal was basically to decode it. And mash just scared the thing silly by glaring at it, and like everybody else was freaking out, like, "How the fuck do I do this?" And he was like, "That was easy. I'm done." Yeah, he was like the first one done. Like he literally just glared at it and said, "Hey, get in line." And I was like, "Yo, chill, chill, don't beat my ass." Hey, because like Luke before that happened, this bro, he was, he was. I was really confused about how he was going to get that done, but I forgot. This is it's a lot of comedy in this, so I should have saw, saw that coming. I think. I just thought it was hilarious because, like, I feel like whenever, like, say, I finished an exam first in school, and I looked up and I saw everybody working, I would just sit there and pretend. You never Yo, wanted the to, same way. You never wanted to hand your shit in first, dude. Like that was always such such a cocky move, and you didn't want people like pissed at you for like, how'd you finish the exam in fifteen minutes? Well, bro, it was easy. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I will say I didn't start doing that until I think halfway through my junior year, my senior year in, in college, because I was like, I got a job. I don't even need to be here. They're lucky <laughs> I showed up for this bullshit. <laughs> Oh Me, God. on the other hand, I was just lazy. I just wanted to wait till the last minute so we could just pass them up, you know, or they come around and get it. Tyler's Fair not enough, trying to dude. take up as much as cla of class as possible. I respect that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but after the magic paper, guys, um, we saw Mash running on some water because he runs so goddamn fast. And he also, they also had to, what they had to do to that boulder? I forgot. They're supposed to just lift it up using magic, right? Yeah, yeah, and he literally just palms it like it's a fucking basketball. <laughs> this episode was fucking ridiculous. What was your favorite part, like of like the the first few tests? I was just saying, my favorite part of all the tests was when he had to finish the maze, and he knew he was coming up on the end of the time. And instead of trying to figure it out, when he had to go back and get Lemon because she's a she's a little pansy, <laughs> and he just starts fucking punching lemon. holes in the walls, and they're like, "That's cheating!" And he's like, "I don't fucking know." <laughs> I'm just here to win, bro. Sorry, y'all are weak. <laughs> now, my favorite part was probably the probably the paper, honestly. Uh, that that was like a absurd. So, yeah, I, I could see how he would like do the rest of it, like him running through the maze walls. I was like, okay, I saw that from a mile away. 
Yeah. But like the the paper, I was like, bro, hi, is he gonna get kicked out <laughs> on the first test? I was so confused. <laughs> it was, it was it, wild. If he puts in a wand in his hand while he does all this stuff, nobody can tell the difference, you know. But he doesn't have one, Rad. I thought he had one that he just kind of kept breaking, right? Uh, no. Uh, I thought he was breaking other know. people's wands. He was breaking other people's wands, too. But I thought he... I mean, if you're going to fake being a wizard, you should probably have a wand, man, you know? Like, it should be in his pocket, at least, right? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> it should be. I really don't think he had a wand, bro. I we think he had one during the boulder. I think he was, like, lifting it and pointing the wand at it. I think... <laughs> <laughs> Just palming it with his hand, waving it around like an idiot. Ooh. I'm magic man. What y'all think about pops and uh pops and old Brad back there, just with bushes on their heads? <laughs> that had me cracking up. Like when Lucci was first looking down the window, and he's like, "Who the hell are these two weird gentlemen standing back there?" And they're in like full black bodysuits with two branches in each hand, trying to blend in in a group of teenagers. And they looked just so fucking out of place. It was so funny. It was ridiculous. They weren't even like over to the side either. They were like standing in the middle of the crowd like some fucking trees just grew there in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Black trees, the two branches in their hands. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. guys, go, going, going back to Lucci, did, y'all, did that remind you of any other characters that you've seen? I'm not going to lie, dude. Three quarters of the professors in the show remind me of people from Harry Potter. Really? I've never seen Harry Potter. Really? You don't say. Oh. Well, there's an HBO retelling of Harry Potter coming out on HBO Max. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I wonder if that's going to be just as good as the old stuff. Who knows? I wouldn't be able to tell you. I would not be able to tell you. Have you actually never seen Harry Potter? No, I actually have not. I'm oh, not even joking. Uh... Okay, that's impressive. <laughs> I mean, it's witchcraft, bro. I'm a, I am grew up in a Baptist church, bro. That shit was not happening. I, I didn't know, but I've read all the books and seen all the movies, you know? Yeah, I'm going to go a little wow. off topic, but, like, even when I was a kid, like, playing with, like, my Pokemon game and the cards, I had to hide my stuff or my parents would throw it away. Wow. Demons, okay. dude. Little demon cards. Yeah, bro, the preacher came for my shit one Sunday. I was pissed. <laughs> See, Gotta my grandparents all, was like that, so my <laughs> parents wasn't like that, though. Uh, I'm happy for you. Nah, I guess being up here in the in the north, we didn't deal with that too much. Yeah, you guys just do Hail Marys, and it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going back to, to Mashal, guys, um, when they were going through the maze, they had a bunch of, like, pitfalls and traps and monsters in it. And then this nice little girl comes along needing a lot of help. Lemon, what, did you, what was your, like, initial impressions of her? I totally just thought she was a ditz at the beginning. Okay. Like your classic ditzy, like blonde character that you see in everything. And so, I but, didn't mm-hmm. think she had a little, you know, little uh, side mission going on, I guess. You know, that was kind of surprising. Yeah, I, I wonder if like she was actually like ditzy like that on purpose or like if she's like just playing, playing, acting, you know what I mean? That's true. I thought she was a snake from the get go. I just thought it was really, like, really weird. Um, especially with like Lucci looking down on Mashal and not wanting him to uh, mash and not wanting him to get through the exams. Yeah, as soon as she walked up, I was like, "Man, what, what does she want?" So I don't know why I thought that, but once she started getting caught in little random bullshit traps, I was like, "Yeah, she's definitely definitely got something else going on." But you I gotta think up on it. 
you gotta think though like these people who just rely on magic for everything they have like no sense of like anything like out like dangerous i guess because they all just live in the city they're all city slickers and you know like master group out in the in the in the boonies he's out in the woods he's a tough country boy he's a tough country boy who relies on his yoked body and um if you're not used to looking for like i don't know pit, i don't want to say pitfalls but stuff like that you know like you i don't know it could be a challenge for you yeah there were like hands coming out of the ground and they just weren't menacing and she was like acting so scared and helpless. I'm like, bro, you have magic. Do something, anything. Oh, dude, the hands reminded me of um, in Zelda, the dungeon masters, the hands oh. that would crawl and grab you and bring you back yes. to the getting. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. So she's slowing him down through the entire maze and they get to the very end. And like I thought he would, he just ran through all the walls. And it was interesting what happened after. Well, not surprising but i thought interesting the entire rest of the class started yelling for them to go home do y'all think y'all thought that was like fair would, would y'all have been uh, a little mad about him quote unquote cheating i mean if i was trying to get in this prestigious school which is based on magic and he didn't use anything to succeed like that i feel like i'd be <laughs> kind of annoyed you know and i okay. totally get where they're coming from but the fact that like the professor was instigating it was so fucked up dude lucci's a snake <laughs> no he really is I think he's going to be continue to be a problem for uh, oh. Mash. He's he is the Professor Snape of Harry Potter, dude. He's just there to there to try and get old boy Mash in trouble, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what the first part of that sentence meant. I'm glad you kept going. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he was instigating it. But what I thought was weird was like everybody was so enamored with Mash through the first three like challenges, and I'm like, okay, maybe. He had some super strength magic and speed to get him through. You don't know that. They didn't know he was picking up the fucking boulder. So I thought it was just really inconsistent. Hey, dude, his magic is muscles. I've said it before. That's what he, that's his, that's his, his, uh, that's his one trick pony. Right there. Yes, sir. His, his one trick pony. Yeah, plus there at the end, you know, they worked so hard to get through the maze. It was supposed to be the toughest obstacle yet. And he just basically run through the walls and didn't even try to do magic. So, I can understand him being pissed off and wanting him to go home because, you know, okay. in their eyes, you know, he didn't earn it, yeah, basically. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I totally get it, you know. Mm -hmm. I'd be pissed too, so. <laughs> so Lucci was actually about to expel him from the school. Um, to y'all's point, very fair. Um, but then we have old Wahlberg come down and, and kind of save his ass. And then after that, you know, everybody has to do their, I guess, oral exam where they go in and get questioned. And the Grandmaster gives Mashal a very odd test. Y'all want to yeah. explain that? Yeah. So this is like the most like hardcore thing you could ever give somebody in an entry exam. So old Wahlberg here used like some arcane level spell that basically took the soul of your most cherished person and put it in a doll. And like came down with basically like a giant metal spear that was going to basically like destroy it and kill the person. And Mash without magic just shows his fucking resolve and literally just grabs this thing with his hand. And it's like going through his hand and he stops it from, you know, taking old man Regro's life, which was crazy to me. Right. That was a absolutely crazy fucking nuts test. Because, yeah, he's trying to explain to him. You can't just overpower everything. Um, oh, Mash, yeah, like, Mash can. 
Well, he didn't that time. (laughs) His objective was to uh, just do it long enough because he was like, a spell this big, uh, you're not going to be able to hold it for that long. So I can can out-hold you, basically, is what he was saying, which was crazy. Shit, them hands weren't holding up. (laughs) He was getting split. Oh, yeah. I mean, but it was kind of to prove a point because, like, Wahlberg was kind of getting the vibe from MASH that he was the kind of person who would put his own life on the line for anyone. And that really just drove that home for, you know, everybody watching, which I really liked. Yeah, that was pretty dope. That was pretty dope. And, you know, Lucci didn't like him because he obviously wasn't using magic. Um, do y'all think the Grandmaster knows he's not using it either? I'd say so. I feel like he has to at this point, man. Yeah, I feel I feel like he. I mean, he's grandmaster for a reason. So, like, mm-hmm. how can he be that if he doesn't even know, at least to what some capability of what uh his students have, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes perfect sense. What um, y'all think about uh when he when he told him at the end it uh I think he said how he was like uh, to answer your question I would have punched you or something like that. Would you? Would you I think loved about it. That? I loved it, dude. That's mash right there. hundred percent. I just loved everybody else's like reaction to that. Like, you can't say that to the grandmaster. He's like, bitch, I, bitch, I might. What he, what he I gonna do though? Did. What he gonna do though? <laughs> Come at me, bro. So the episode comes to an end with Mash getting accepted in the academy, and it shows his future roommate Finn. Basically, what they do is they pair a transfer student with an existing student. And Finn's like, oh, fuck, if I get that weirdo magicless dude. Or, you know, the weirdo from the whole thing. Like, because I think all the kids are watching on, you know, from the windows and everything like that. For sure. And all of a sudden, we just see Mash blow through the door. <laughs> the door joke is back. It is reoccurring. And we're Let's also, go. We're so happy about that. But you, like, see Mash's side of the room just waits everywhere. Like, nothing related to magic at all. It's just super funny. Gotta stay swole, man. Gotta get that pump in. And I believe he gives Finn a classic cream puff. Yeah, he does. As a gift, as a gift. Like, here you go, bud. It's cream puff. That's me. <laughs> Man, you know me in a nutshell now. Yeah, I was, I was surprised Finn saw through his bullshit like, so quickly. He was like, yeah, this guy isn't going to study. Um, and then he kind of goes to explain how you become the, uh, the divine visionary. And it's like a coin system. So you get gold coins for doing well on test or you can get silver or bronze and you're you're tested on everything grades magic who you are as a person and he's like bro this because he's gonna flunk out super quick but then mash is kind of like oh i actually have to go to school now and i think he's really <laughs> surprised by that being a country bumpkin so it's it's gonna be interesting going forward it's gonna be really fun definitely the the coins kind of reminded me of spy family with the uh with the gold stars you know like the same idea from a prestigious True. academy just like that so i was like Maybe that's how those kind of schools operate. Because your boy just went to public school. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know anything about demerits. I had the same thoughts. That's what popped in my head, too, was the Stellas or whatever the hell they're called. Yeah, that's what they're so. called. Well, it was pretty. it was a pretty fun episode. I liked it. I laughed quite a bit. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this show. I think it's going to be like one of the highlights of this anime season. It's just so f- ridiculous. It is. Yeah. It is. I don't think the cream puff uh, and the door jokes are going to go away. No, I'm <laughs> excited about the door jokes. The, the cream puffs, eh, it's a cream puff, whatever. But the door what? jokes, I need them. 
I need them. You know, if they keep it to like once an episode or like, you know, like just a little relief here and there, I think it'll be fine. Oh, with yeah. The, uh, with the green puffs. Oh, yeah. Oh. Awesome. Tyler, you want to get us into My Home Hero? Yeah. Uh, so this for My Home Hero, we actually watched uh, episode two and three since uh, we started a little bit behind on last uh, last uh, podcast episode. But uh, we uh, we get to see the aftermath of the murder and if the henchman did find the body or not. Plus, we also see the Yakuza gets impatient and starts making moves. Um, so with this, like we was kind of worried that the henchman was going to find a body when uh, at the end of the last episode and we start off this episode, it shows he just walked in there and found Tetsuo cleaning away and they did apparently they didn't find the body. Was y'all surprised about that? I was extremely surprised, honestly. Um, and he didn't find Tetsu. He found Suzuki. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was oh, a funny-ass lie. I was laughing last week because I accidentally, like, didn't notice that it, like, because it didn't start playing the intro right away. And, like, mm-hmm. I looked down at my phone, like, after during the credits and looked up and I saw that scene. I was like, oh, shoot, that's awkward. <laughs> That's why you guys were like, they found the body. I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe <laughs> not. Who he knows? Looked, he looked really surprised for finding a cleaner, though. Like, his eyes were popping out of his fucking head. Wait a minute. So that was actually Suzuki? I didn't catch that, bro. No, it was, that was it, Tetsuo. Was, it was Tetsuo in disguise, dude. Oh. Yeah, so he he made up the character of Suzuki. Yeah, I thought that. I thought that. I thought so. That's yeah, what, but that's why yeah. he had a mask on. He was trying to be all sneaky and not yeah, look he had like the himself. hairnet and the mask oh. on. Yeah, they're doing a good job of covering their faces in this show. Yeah, I thought it was Tetsuo, and then Bass and y'all, y'all just made me believe it was Suzuki. Y'all, y'all throwing me for loops over here. <laughs> same person, dog. Same person. <laughs> oh shit! I love but, it. Yeah. Uh, so I was surprised too. Like I said. I, you would think that he would be able to like smell the blood, you know, that just of the murder that just happened, freshly murdered body. I don't you know? think you understand how powerful the smell of bleach is. I was about to say that exactly. <laughs> like that place just had to smell like cleaning chemicals. Which, if you clean up blood with bleach, you're, there's no blood. It's smell. a wrap. It is. Yeah, the iron. It is gone. just. Yeah, it is just like full on caustic fumes. So that's all you could smell, you True. know. Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't think about the bleach part. Yeah, yeah. the Clorox in there going crazy. Yeah. I know how that be. I I be using I used to use bleach a lot at work. So as long as you don't mix it with uh, what's it called? You're fine. I can't yeah. remember the other the other cleaning solution. You uh, don't mix it ammonia. With. Yeah, mix. That's important to know, yeah. Dan. You should mix. know that. It's <laughs> yeah, very important, bro. My my wife is on the all natural cleaning supplies kick, so I don't got any of that stuff in my house. Oh, okay. It's all lemongrass and good. I can, good I can some stuff. Clorox. No, no, no worries. <laughs> so after finding Suzuki, the Yakuza get really, really suspicious of the uh, the main family here, the Tusos or whatever they're called. Um, and they start parking their car outside of the house, and a lot of interesting things happen. You know, they're following them to the supermarket, and all during this entire time, Tetsuo is trying to get rid of the body. In a very, very interesting way. <laughs> this, this man has read so many detective and true crime novels. 
he's got it down to a science, man. It's crazy. Like he decides to go to basically like a Home Depot and get a it's basically a chemical that will like increase the ability to compost. And he's like, yeah, oh, like a compost chemical. Yeah, you yeah, actually he, can use those. Yeah. And he's like, this will lead through a bot. This will lead through flesh in no time, and I'll just cr- crush the bones and sprinkle them on. You know, I'm like, holy shit, this guy knows what he's doing, dude. Right. And like, he's actually so good at this. Like, he finds um, the the voice monitors in the house, and at one point, his wife, uh, Kaisen, is like, "Yo, is this your first murder, bro? That would have had me <laughs> fucked up." My wife asking me that. I laughed really hard at that part. <laughs> is this your first murder? It's like, bro, are you crazy? You you been here before? Is this serial? Are you a serial murderer? He he was definitely acting like he should not know all this stuff. He, he got too much time on his hands, bro. He he be listening to too much shit. He he's has just to. A true crime podcast. I just love how he's like, I've listened to hundreds of years of stuff on this. I know what I'm doing. Trust me, I'm not a killer. And you I don't never met my first family. I, I just wouldn't believe that if I was his wife. Like, if you know all that, got all the answers and shit, like, you're not even worried. It doesn't even seem like he's worried like, half the time. It's nuts. But I just thought it was crazy when they followed him to the, like, the superstore that he purposely brought the suitcase that he transported the body in, filled it up with clothes, and made it so, like, there was a piece of clothes hanging out of it to know <laughs> that if they broke into his car or not. Like, he's thinking of everything, and I'm just incredibly... Impressed with old boy Tetsuo here, you know? Yeah, this dude's smart. I mean, that's that's the only thing he's got working for him, you know? Yeah. Him being smart. Not very strong. Not prone to violence. He's, he's just old. IQ 150. <laughs> Dude, if they make it through this ordeal, Karen is going to have a killer book on her hands, let me tell you. She's going to have to break a pen name, out, pen name out for that one, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, but... You know, towards the end of this episode, uh, they they find the like Bass mentioned before, they find the bugs. They actually go on a story about a a, a stalker or whatever. Make them they kind of made them believe that there was a stalker um, stalking their daughter uh, through the college and stuff. Um, and do you think that's actually true after seeing what we've seen, uh, Bass? I I don't necessarily think so because they had that list of questions and answers that they made up. Um, I think Suzuki's completely fake. I think they're going to have to hire a a, a PI now to figure this thing, uh, to work with the the Yakuza. But yeah, I think they all, they made that up and they were just prepared with it. Um, Oh yeah. I thought that was 100% fabricated, but it was so well done. Yeah. The fact that they like, so basically they're, like going through this little spiel and they find the second um you know listening device in their daughter's room and they like come up with this whole elaborate story about how she has a stalker from college like they haven't seen the boyfriend in days you know uh rika hasn't and they're like do you think the stalker got him oh my god imagine (laughs) that and it was very detailed like they had like a timeline and everything oh it was top notch these guys terrifyingly know what they're doing on yes. the on the high beef. is is low-key a genius and going back to him like figuring out how to hide the body and decompose it before he, it even leaves um rika's apartment he fucking cooks it in the bathtub bro 
going nuts. And he figures like, oh, at this high temperature, um, it's going to melt the fiberglass bathtub. And he yeah. makes like heat shielding out of cardboard and, and uh, aluminum foil, which I think would actually work because aluminum foil is a great uh, conductor. Um, well, insulator, excuse me. Yeah. For heat. And it's like, bro, what are you on right now? And he's like, I can cook this much water out of the body and um, then I'll put it in a suitcase. I'm like, dude was scaring me and I don't even live with him. Well, it's like, it's crazy because like, so like, I, you know, I made some, I uh, bought a rotisserie chicken yesterday and I threw like the, the bones in water <laughs> to make some chicken stock. And like, I'm doing this and I'm watching the bones just kind of shrink up and all the meat fall off. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is exactly what he did. And I'm just trying to make a tasty little, tasty little chicken stock. <laughs> and he did the exact same thing to basically melt down a body. Human stocks? Human stock? You, he basically made human stock, yeah, he and like did, dead ass though. Did. Like, holy <laughs> shit, man! Yeah, because it breaks imagine, down the cartilage and everything. Yeah. Can you imagine like trying to put all that shit in a suitcase though? I can't take it out um, of there. I I can't even <laughs> imagine the smell, dude. Like it had to smell rancid, bro. Is there like bleach so? in the world for that? God damn. I mean, I, the smell of like human flesh burning is terrible. So I can't imagine the smell of like. But it's cooking, you know. I mean. I don't technically, know, man. I don't... Technically, it would smell like you know, you know, me cooking. It basically. definitely would not smell like chicken. That's for sure. So, <laughs> like, for, I I make my own like bone broth and stuff at at my apartment, and it even smells bad when you're making that stuff, and you have like spices and and stuff in it. I couldn't imagine a human human body. No, I can't either. And she lives like in an apartment and stuff, so it's just crazy how that nobody. Uh, like got suspicious, I guess you can say. He had that that bathroom fan turned up to eleven, dude, to get that <laughs> out of there. Fourteen candles going. <laughs> Just crazy, man. Yeah, but uh, yeah. When Kaizen actually asked Tetsuo um about it being his first his first body, which it's up for debate at this point, he's doing too well. Um, it's he starts talking about how guilty he feels over it. Um, and I was not, I'm, I was glad he said that because I was questioning his morals too. Um, he was kind of doing a lot of this stuff with a straight face. Like, did you, did you guys think that was important for, for the writers to put that in? Yeah, I definitely did. I mean, like he was, he broke down at that point, but I think he was just, you know, remaining calm, cool and collected because he needed to like, he's on, a, he's on a massive time crunch here. And if he doesn't pull this off, well, his, his whole family is bye bye. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Amazing I mean, what old Tetsu can do when 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 the pressure's on. But speaking of like time crunch and stuff, um, you know, we we can go to the next episode if you want to. Um and we actually see uh Tetsuo and his wife, they 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 get kidnapped, bro. You yeah, know? it was crazy. I thought they were trying to kill uh Kaisen because they had plastic wrap over her fucking face. And I'm yeah. like, yo, how is she breathing? And it was, they, they kept her there for a while like that. They were just like on top of her pulling that plastic wrap over her face. And I'm like, realistically, somebody would be dead in like 30, 45 seconds. But they had his face covered too with a like saran wrap too. Did you see that? I thought it was like more like a, uh, I thought it was like a, a, bag. a bag. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a bag for him. Either way, like he should be like, it was pretty tight you know i was kind of confused on how they was able to 
like talk and breathe and stuff as easily as little easily burlap as sack, bro. Yeah, burlap. You got airflow through that bad boy. Not plastic though. Like the plastic almost reminded me of our boy from Revenger with the gold foil. Yo, I, I thought they were about to oh. body her quick. <laughs> I was just wait. I was waiting for somebody to pull off their clothes and have a giant helmet or giant Mother Mary tattoo on their back, dude. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> but yeah, but after yeah. they after they kidnap, well, not it's not really. Well, they kidnapped Tesla. They just had Kaisen laying on her living room floor, which must be terrifying. It would be hard to live there after that. But they take uh, Tetsuo to a freaking warehouse, and they made him walk the plank, which I thought was fucking hilarious. Um, so he's standing, they make him stand up and walk out there, and he's like, oh, this, this thing is like swaying. I got a little breeze on me. He thought he was hanging over like a skyscraper. I didn't um, do. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what it was pictured as. I, I didn't know yeah. that they were actually like looking at his interpretation of it until it zoomed out and he was just on top of like a crane yeah, yeah but yeah they had him tied up they, they uh, pushed him down and he was hanging pretty close to the floor and my man started lying his ass off impressive like um that's when they come up with the story about the stalker um and in the end it was it was really cool um Tetsuo agreed to help the yakuza find the killer of nabuto yeah how do you think he's gonna fucking pull that off? Well, the only thing that I can think is, uh, you know, I guess it's best to uh, be right there with them because he can give them, you know, bullshit information to keep them away from his family. You know, that's that's the only thing I can think of because he's not obviously he's not gonna tell them the truth, so he's gonna have to find ways to make them believe other things that. Uh, it's not true, you know, basically. Yeah. And they, yeah, they actually went through his phone and were like, you know, show us where you've been messaging, messaging this PI. And he shows them the email or the contact. They look, they find the contact and they're like, oh, it's real. But he put it in there beforehand. Another yeah. big brain play. And then he makes up a incredible lie about uh, them wanting to be anonymous and it being very low key. And it Man. ends up working out. I think there was like uh, in the contract we're supposed to delete all the messages after we send them. Blah blah blah. Yep, it was yep, pretty yep. wild. You know, I'm actually surprised that uh, his wife is able to keep up with uh, this high, like this high, uh, like big of a plan. You know, when she's not used to doing this type of stuff, and That's he true. he is. You know, well. I wouldn't say he's used to it. I mean, he's just kind of rolling off what he's read in books. But you got to remember, she's an author. Like, I don't remember if they go into what kind of book she writes. I don't oh, think is so. She an author? But, yeah, okay. she's an author. So, like, her craft so is fab- her yeah. craft is fabricating stories. So, like, I mean, this is the dream team right here working together. You know, it really yeah. is. Um, and she she actually notices something. They had the clear plastic wrapper over her face, and she's looking around, you know, figuring things out. And I think she actually clutches this whole episode. Um, she notices the henchmen that have her held down keep checking their watches, and she's like, "Well, they must they must not have much time." So you know, so she acts like she's going delirious, stops answering their questions, um, just like pleading with them about random bullshit for a few minutes, uh, praying and, for them and shit. Yeah, you want me to pray for you? Um, I don't know what happened. And uh, it's just kind of nuts. Yeah. And uh, then they they was kind of in a hurry. 
and they was actually talking to uh, I forget his name. Uh, was it Key Key? I don't Kubo? even know how to say that. No, it was the uh, Kiyuchi. Kiyuchi. Yeah, we'll go Is with that. that. Right? That's good enough for me, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, anyways, the dude with the mask on. It's at the uh, at Tetsuo's uh, uh, place right now. You know, uh, t- torturing him basically, and they was telling him like. We only got so much time. If we was seen, the cops should be closing in right now. So we cannot stay any longer, basically. So, yeah, and she, and she notices that while she's getting yeah. choked the fuck out. It was it was pretty amazing, and there was something interesting that came up. Um, Kaizen actually noticed that she was like, "They're an organization, but they're not a monolith," meaning that they have factions inside of their their own organization. So like Kubo was following the direct orders of uh, Nabuto's dad, uh, Matori, and he didn't want them to go rush them down and go kidnap them or anything. So Kiyochi, whatever we're going to call him, that's what we're calling him now, um, (laughs) was like, no, I'm going to go over there and figure this shit out. I'm doing this. I'm getting it done with. And he kind of, Kubo, after a while, said, hey, what are y'all doing? And that is also a reason they had to leave. And I'm wondering, like, Things are starting to work in Tetsuo's favor a little bit. And you think he's going to be able to exploit that going forward, that they're not like a, a monolith, as Kaisen said? I mean, for his uh, for his sake, I hope so. I mean, they did this time because uh, Kiyuchi, or whatever his name is, he, uh, he basically told Tetsuo that he was going to have to kill him and his wife and his family, even if, you know, it was innocent or not. Just because the cover up, uh, cover up all the loose ends, he said. So it was surprising that that didn't happen. Uh, they got let loose because of the, I guess, the miscommunications between the factions. Uh, but it was kind of interesting, and it did work in their favor this time. I would hope so. Uh, we don't know yet. We don't know what the plan is. Yeah, I think up. I think they're gonna exploit that big time going forward. Yeah. Because um, they, they they just they just didn't know much about the yakuza at all, but now they know. Oh, there's people that you know are kind of playing against each other. Like Kubo and uh, Kiyochi don't seem like they like each other too much. Kiyochi doesn't like following orders, even though it looks like he's subordinate to Kubo. Um, so that's something to watch, I think. But that's it's a- cool how this story is developing, man. There's a, there's a lot going on. Definitely, man. That's a really good way to get yourself uh, taken out of the Yakuza really quick is to not follow order. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yes, sir. <laughs> but awesome. Bass, you want to get us into our next show on the weekly rundown? A little Hell's Paradise? Yes, sir. Hell's Paradise episode trace. Uh, weakness and strength. Um, so we in this episode, we have the prisoners and executioners in their pairs making it to the island, the flower island or whatever. And as expected, Things start getting a little crazy with the prisoners. And not only that, some crazy things start happening with the island, man. Um, so we get there, and it's and it kind of starts off following Gabimaru and Sagiri. And Gabimaru wants to untie his hands. Like he's like, I have to defend myself. I have to be faster than the other people and find the elixir of life. And Sagiri's like, no, we follow rules around here. I'll kill you, bitch ass. <laughs> and uh what do you guys think about that right off the bat? Like, Sagiri seems like a re- very rigid rule follower. Well, I, I thought I thought that uh, you know S- Sagiri would uh, let. I thought that they would let the prisoners untie their hands at least. That, that was 
it was a little bit uh, of a surprise for me. Yeah, yes. definitely. I think Sagiri is really one of those. She is like steadfast. You know, she follows the rules. She's that kind of character. And I think we're going to see a lot of growth related to her coming into her own in that sense where she realizes that she needs to actually work with Gabi Maru to go through this down the line. But we'll get into it later, but shit kind of goes crazy with that a little later in the episode. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What did you guys think about the scene with? Um, so it kind of goes back to Gabi Maru, like a flashback. Uh-huh. And it had the chief of his town. I can't remember the name of it. It's like Ikaraki or something like that. Yeah. Something and weird. He's basically being stabbed, slashed, everything you can think of under the sun. And the man's just standing there with a shitting grin on his face. So it comes to be that old man, chief of this uh clan, Chief Ninja in charge, has found the elixir of life already and already had that. So Gabi Maru knows it's the real thing. Nobody else does to that point. So that was absolutely crazy when like they showed that scene to me. Yeah. I mean, and like a big thing out of that, they even like opened his gut up and his intestines fell out like a whole fucking piece. It was stabbing through his head too, you know? It was yeah. fucking awesome. And he was like, man, I ain't dying. What y'all doing, bro? What you doing, bro? I'm fine. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, Gabi Maru's like, yeah, the Elixir Life, I, I, it exists, but I don't know if it's here. What do y'all think that they was trying to say with that uh, opening statement like that? Giving somebody else the Elixir known, you know? So I think the main thing was just so we knew it was real. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I think until this point, we hadn't seen anybody like we, you know, we know Gabi Maru and the Ninja have like hardened bodies. Um, but we didn't know for a fact that it was real. And I think that was kind of the whole point of them showing us his guts on the floor. Like, because anybody else that kills 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you ain't surviving the intestine snakes falling out of your guts, dude. No, no way. That's not how that goes. Yeah, especially if you can't put them back. Because um, it was like a whole piece. It was nuts. Um, but when they first get there and Gabi Mara starts w- walking around, he tells Sagiri, he's like, this place is extremely unnatural. I don't know how he knows this. But he says that these flowers, you know, they don't belong. A lot of these flowers don't belong in this climate and they're all growing together. Um, and he just has a bad feeling about it. I, I thought that was really cool how he picked up on that. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, he, the dude's a living legend. He's got he's got to be pretty smart when it comes to things of like noticing your environment and things like that. But definitely something that like the normal layman wouldn't pick up on, you know? That's I definitely true. didn't pick up on it, so GG's. <laughs> I, was say, I, I don't know what kind of flowers grow in a temperate giant Japanese climate, so I can't really talk there, but our boy yeah. Gabby Maru sure do. Yeah, we don't have any botanists on this show. <laughs> That's for damn sure. But it'd be like, imagine if you see, like, the bluebells from Texas growing next to, like, wildflowers you'd see in Maine. Like, you'd be like, what the fuck is going yeah, on here, you know? Most, yeah, like, outside of, like, a garden or, or a, uh, what do you call them shits? botanical garden that just doesn't make any fucking sense right definitely man and then like not only that they they want gabi maru to keep his hands tied and they only gave him three days of food so that said to me it was like this is supposed to be a pretty quick exercise i thought this was going to be like the bulk of the show and it doesn't seem like it will be did that surprise any of you i think it will be the bulk of the show i just uh I don't think that they expect them to live. They they don't have no faith in them finding the elixir and living very long. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just basically sending them sending them off on a death 
you know, March, basically, I believe. Okay. That, I didn't think about that. That makes sense. Like, it's just like a uh, throwing something at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. Why, why give them, you know, a week or two weeks of food when you don't think they're going to last that long? So. Yeah, that's very true. Definitely, man. I feel like the pacing of the show is very, very on par with, like, how long the episode actually was. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think more than 30 minutes happened in the show, essentially, because, like, it was just action the whole time. Like, you know, they walked in the woods and just went off the rails from there, you know? Very true. And um, so we thought, I think a lot of, uh, at least me, I thought, like, the executioners were going to be, like, mad overpowered. But we're already seeing some of the criminals killing their fucking executioners with ease, right? Um, we saw the cannibal Coruscant on top of her executioner. Um, I think we saw, I don't know all of their names. I think it was maybe the the sword dragon. Uh, he ended up cutting off his hand. Let me stop right there. Did y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah. so it was crazy because so there are these like butterflies flying around everywhere. And it turns out, fuck. yeah, they have human faces on them. It's fucking yeah, gnarly. Dude. It's fucking gnarly. But <laughs> one lands on him and he looks up and notices it has a stinger. And instantly he looks at his hand and sees a sting and just chops it off. And his hand falls on the ground and has that same like out of it look that we had in the intro with the boat coming out with the person who's just fucked up on it. Yep, yep, so yep, yep. It's inc- crazy that he's that smart to know that like, hey, I gotta lose a hand here. Like, or I'm dead. And he just chopped it off with ease. I thought that was insane. Yeah, it was nuts. And then we saw, so we saw like a, I guess a swarm of those types of butterflies or bees or whatever they was. And then there was like a centipede or something that that walked up that had a human face. And then they turned around and there was just like this giant fucking monster. So there's, I mean, Gabi Marl was right. This is very, very unnatural. So we know it's been fucking people up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I thought like uh, it was just crazy for like the him to just chop his hand off. Or I mean, how how does he know that that was gonna happen? That's that was my big thing. It, it surprised me that he just was willing to get rid of his hand like that. Yeah, Instantly. I mean, it, it made sense though. Like they knew something was turning people into flowers because you know when they were talking to the shogunate, uh, getting prepared for the mission right before the battle, he they showed a body. And I, I bet that was in the back of his mind. It's like so something that's, that's turning people into that. And he was like, oh, it stung me. It has a human face. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, we also saw the giant of Benin. I think his name was Roger, Roku Roda. And he full on just murders his executioner on the spot. Like Easy full clap. on, like basically just punches him into a tree and the dude explodes. It was fucking <laughs> wild. So yeah, the like gi- seeing... the giant of Benin is, is is slowly becoming one of my favorite characters. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's just like an undeveloped giant who just swings. That's it. You know, straight he just, power. He's just straight power, hundred percent. You know, and we're seeing a lot of tension between that, and then we also get into a fight where one of the other convicts was it Twisted Cajun? Twisted Cajun, yeah, the hunter who loves weapons. Basically, is like. I got to take down the strongest one. It goes right for Gabi Maru. Fucking bold. We got an awesome like four or five minute fight scene between these guys. And this dude was nuts. Like he basically was like he had a box on his back with a hundred weapons in it. 
and he's obsessed with weapons. Like he loves killing people, stealing their weapons. And he just starts going to Gabi Maru with him and they're doing nothing to him. Like he's smashing hammers on his head. They're exploding and everything else. And then Gabi Maru goes and, you know, hits him and realizes that his armor is sewed to his skin. That was fucking creepy. Yeah. The the thing Absolutely that nuts. the thing that had me cracking up though the like the first uh, like couple minutes of this fight, um, Sagiri and Gabby Morrow Gabby Maru was just arguing about uh, uh, if uh, Gabby Morrow should t- retie his hands. Basically, he was just having an argument about tying his hands back up. Did y'all did y'all remember that? Yeah, I thought it was crazy that mm-hmm. she made him tie his hands up, and he still just laid down the hammer like that. <laughs> and he's like, he really didn't give a fuck. Dude. No, he's like, all right, whatever, fine. That's what you want me to do. But after that fight, we get like a crazy. Well, I guess the executioner in charge of watching the twist occasion basically is like, all right, I'm done. See you guys. Have fun. And just walks back <laughs> to the boat. <laughs> and you're just sitting there like, wow, this guy really didn't want to be here, man. Shit, would you? No, I don't think any of the executioners besides Sagiri want to be there. <laughs> Yeah, Sagiri has to prove herself. And like, to, uh, talking about that other executioner that was in charge of uh, Twisted Occasion, he he was looking pretty far down his nose at Sagiri. Um, we we come to find out she of that entire clan, she is the weakest executioner, and she got paired with the strongest person there. Um, but he was saying, you know, your rule following, your way, how you operate, just makes you so fucking weak. And I thought she, you know. From the first episode, I thought she was going to be real nice with it. You know what I'm saying? Now we come to find out she she really, when it comes to that clan, she really ain't shit. I think she's just new, you know? I think she's just a new, the new blood on the block, you know? You think so? I think so. Because I thought I her, her dad was like the leader of the clan previously. I think, I thought this shit was like her whole life. Well, you got to remember, they had a lot of... Uh, Basically, they were kind of looking down on her because she was a woman and everything else. Yeah. And she's like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be at home, like, you know, raising kids. Well, that's and also true. Yeah. So I think she's really out of place in the in the world of Hell's Paradise. And she gets looked down on for that. But true. I also I think she, she got like a late bitch. start to, uh, oh, okay. to all the training and stuff that usually the people go through. I guess you could say, I would think. Oh, I thought I just thought she was straight up weak. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> uh, a little bit of both. She got no sauce, no motion. <laughs> I, she she kept up with uh, Gabby Maru a little bit, you know. Yeah, I'll give him that. Gabby Maru wasn't trying to kill her, bro. She be dead. <laughs> well, that's about. So basically, after this other executioner leaves, Gabby Maru and Sagiri get into it, and Gabby Maru is basically like, "You're gonna hold me back. You don't have time for this." And he tries to kill her, and they start going at it and just Gopi Maru trying to be the person his wife wants him to be. Can't do it. He had multiple opportunities to, you know, lay the finishing blow and he just mentally can't do it. You know? Yeah. We saw some, some pretty good, uh, character. I, I you can't even say development. Cause I think he came into the show like this, but, uh, it flushed out a little bit more of his character, man. Um, because you know, he tries to believe he's hollow. Um, hence his name. And then, that's all we have. And then it's starting to open up for him a little bit. I, I liked how they did that. Um, yeah. Even when he gets on top of Sagiri, like she is able to like slowly like resheath the sword because he's, she, you know, she's like, you, you're not really like that. Well, I loved the scene they had where it was basically like the clan leader 
or his his you know assassin clan kind of like i don't want to say pulling the strings but it was like a premonition of him on top of like gabi maro like pushing him to be the hollow mm -hmm. and there was a right at the end of it basically his wife comes and you know like not his wife but like the idea of it comes and hugs him and the ruthless killer inside of him kind of fades away and that's when she resheaths the sword i thought it was a really cool you know piece of imagery on that that was cool that was one of my favorite parts of the, the episode Definitely. even though there was a pretty i don't know if, i was about to say banger fight but gabby morrow is so overpowered like he doesn't really fight people y'all y'all think that's gonna be like a problem throughout the whole show or like what's up with that i think as it goes into it you know the remaining uh convicts are going to be stronger and you know i guess put up more of a fight against him if that makes sense okay okay because yeah, yeah we haven't even seen him get into his you know his real bag his ninjutsu no well also we apparently we got uh his clan heading towards the island too did y'all see that yeah and and he he's acting like he's on a time crunch he was like well when uh you know i don't have much time because when they get here it's gonna be bad basically y'all what do you think the reason for them coming to the island is to take Gabby Maru and kill him or finish nah, I it think, off? I think they're there. So my thoughts are that like the Shogunate sent the criminals there kind of like you do in war. You kind of like soften up your target first. So have the criminals go in. You don't care about them. They can go soften up whatever big targets are there. And then you have the fucking ninja in there to really sweep things up and, and get stuff done. I wasn't sure if they were sent by the Shogunate or if they were kind of just going of their own will and accord. Because I think that'd be way cooler if they were going like, hey, we found what made our leader immortal. Let's go get another. Let's go. I'll go get a little stab at that, you know? Okay. I, I can see that. But I, I think the Shogunate sent them because um, I think he kind of just rules everything. He's even ha has the power to give a pardon to Gabi Maru yeah. over the, the leader of that, that village. So I, I, I don't think it really. That. I don't think it really said though. I don't think did it. No, uh, we still it don't out. really know for sure. I'm pretty sure, sure that no. uh, the uh, the twisted uh, twisted dude's uh, executioner, he's the one that told Gabby Maru about it, right? Yes. So and he didn't really uh, like give out any details. He just basically just said your your clan knows or whatever, and and They're on about to pull up in this hole. Yeah. So I don't even no. think he told him that they was coming. He, Gabby Maru just assumed that it was going to come. So I don't know. It's yeah. just weird. Yeah, I think it's funny, like how Gabby Maru immediately got worried. So, yeah. what you said earlier about uh, the fights getting harder as this goes on, I think that's going to happen because I think Gabby Maru knows once his clansmen show up, it's a freaking wrap for everybody else. I want to see more, uh, you know, from the other criminals, like just more than just like a. A few seconds of a fight. I want to see. I want to see more. I want to see some of their stories. If they're going to be, you know, parts of the cast, I want to see more of them. Tyler trying to see that cannibal course on. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see that? <laughs> I thought hey, some some got took out though. Didn't right? her? Yeah, her executioner sliced off her head. Didn't he? Wait, what? It was yeah, I'm pretty sure deaths. she died. Yeah. She did. I don't remember that. I must be looking at my fucking phone. No, really. Oh. Sad. Yeah, Sad. no, she she dead. She headless. Oh, fuck, fuck. Unless, unless you know, I made that up. But I'm, she I'm been trying I, to fuck nothing. What's she thinking? I'm pretty hey, man, sure there was another cutie too that uh, was dead, got dead too. 
Well, I think half of them are already dead, dude. Like, they're going real hard on this right away, and I'm a big fan of that. I'm really excited to see where it goes. But the episode basically ends with Sagiri and Gabby Morrow. I don't want to say making up, but, like, teaming up again after their fight, and they just get surrounded by all these insane creatures. And the last (laughs) creature you see is a six-arm Buddha-looking fish head guy. And I'm really excited to see Gabby Morrow go hands (laughs) with this guy. Did you say they look like my uh my Twitter avatar? Yeah, Bass's Twitter avatar <laughs> is the Michael Jordan like dunking logo with a fish head. And it looks just like that. Dude. It looked just like that. I got that custom made. I needed that. Bro. That shit is gonna give me nightmares. That fish head. That's wild looking. Yeah, it's, it's pretty disgusting. The, the reverse mermaid, dude. Wow. <laughs> Tyler's just shaking his head. <laughs> I think you yeah, I think hey. it's time to get on to insomniacs after school before we go off on another 10 minute fish rant. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Alrighty. So uh we're gonna be talking about uh uh insomniacs after school. It's called Mu Scorpi, uh, apparently. Uh so Nakami and Magari spend some time cleaning the observatory up and making it feel like home. But they also have to overcome some surprise obstacles. Um, they, uh, why, why do y'all think that they care if people know that they have insomnia? Really, this I don't just... fucking know. Uh, I have problems sleeping, and when I wake up and I go to work and I look fucking tired, I'm like, yeah, I know I look tired. I didn't sleep well. Fuck off. I I think it's something when you're that young, you don't want people to like overanalyze it. Maybe like you don't want to be embarrassed by it. You know, that's the only thing I can think of. I think I'll say, say your non-sleeping asshole, sleepy ass. Did it? No, it's like, <laughs> imagine, no, I'm just messing around. <laughs> imagine your school. People hear that. Like they're going to start like trying to find a cure, blah, 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 which, you know, there, there isn't really a cure for insomnia. I mean, no, no. So, I think they just want to keep it private, you know? Uh, I mean, teach. that's understandable. But. Didn't the chick say she was like sick, uh, like ill um, back when she was younger? Too? Yeah, she always had health problems growing up. Yeah. yeah. And I think her reasoning was something along the lines that she didn't want her parents to worry or something like that. Uh, yeah. If, you know, because the insomnia uh, could be seen connected to her being sick in the past, I guess. I don't know. For sure. It's me. Well, in that <laughs> case, she better say something. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, but she's one of the people worry, you know, that's just how kids are. Yeah, hey, she's I, sleeping I some. She just can't sleep during the night, bro. Yeah, no, she getting she getting them naps and them heavy naps, boy, and has been. Um, but yeah, one one thing I thought was really interesting. So the episode opens up and Nakami's coming in the classroom and he sees Magari there, and she comes up to try to start talking to him and he just like blushes, looks at her and walks away and she's like, "Yo, what the fuck is this dude's issue?" Um, which I would have felt the same way. Um. And he starts texting her from across the room. Silly shit, right? While she's staring at him the whole time. Right. Bro. She's like, what are you, what does this dude do it? And he says, let's not talk to each other because we don't want them finding out about our hideout. Do you think he's going a little overboard there? Is he just being shy? I think he's just being shy, man. That's like, I mean, I don't know if he's got a crush or anything on her, but like, you know, you hanging out with a girl in school people start talking we we see it in uh torador which we're gonna talk about in the next episode but people start talking man high schoolers are ruthless 
they are. Kids are cruel. I mean, I, I think I think he has a point though. Uh, she she don't want people to know about her whole situation and stuff. And you know, if a nerdy loner type guy all of a sudden starts talking to like a sociable, like a uh, young pretty lady, uh, obviously there's gonna be questions that uh, are gonna be hard to answer. You know, so definitely I can, I can see that. But I think it's also a little bit of shyness too. Yeah, uh, I just don't think he got the chops for it. No Riz. No <laughs> Riz. Rizless. But he does just fine on his own. So, like, that's the only reason why I would say that it's not shy. Question mark. Like, hey, man. Maybe around other people. I don't know. I think you so. See, you see that with people, though, when, like, you know, you see a guy and a girl and they're alone, they're really comfortable with each other. But the minute you bring an entire classroom or, like, you know, like a triple date or something into it, people get, people change, you know? Like, oh, yeah. No, I dated a girl. She was an asshole in front of other people. I'm like, what's your issue? <laughs> <laughs> like, like you they don't ever act like that so yeah I, I get that yeah but one part of this episode i really enjoyed was when they were kind of like i don't want to say renovating the observatory but they're kind of making it feel more at home they were cleaning it up and uh magari just put a bunch of shit all over like random knickknacks <laughs> and she said they were to help them sleep and he's like bro you just took a bunch of trash from your house it was collecting dust and brought it up here <laughs> 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 and I laughed way too hard at that. I was like, yo, she really did, though. Like, why is there a fucking monkey with a monkey and a bunch of other toys, man? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, how'd she even get that shit up there without anybody being suspicious? Like, do Backpacks, they not watch bro. these kids, bro? Backpacks. She, she plays uh, softball, too. So she's got a duffel bag, a backpack. Yeah. Girls, she... girls can bring purses to school. You know, the whole nine. But these were like toys that would have taken up an entire backpack. Like they were, they were bigger than you should have been able Think to sneak in. She's you know, the, she's got her bat bag, dude. That's huge. Fair enough. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just crazy, bro. Yeah, it, it was a little, it was a little funny. But she goes on to explain it, and she's like, you know, uh, I think she's talked to like a sleep therapist. Oh, she read something online. She said, and she's like, yeah, some people can't sleep because they don't recognize their room as a comfortable place. A relaxing place and i and i think that's why she said she wanted to bring that stuff in there which but makes they, sense but, but the locker the she but the locker she was <laughs> sleeping in beforehand was just fine you know dude, she, she's vibing bro she's like count dracula sleeping in a coffin dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah that shit was a little weird she was hidden though she was hiding there pretty well true hey i don't think uh you know ever since they uh uh been hanging out together or whatever in the observatory I don't think they've been able to take naps, have they? No, they have not been taking. We haven't seen them sleep once. Since well, they, except the, for the, the initial day, you know, when they was like sleeping on each other's laps and shit. So that was super cute. Um, <laughs> it's all it's all a process, dude. You got to make it feel like home first, like she was saying. Yeah, <laughs> I, guess, I think that's bro. a good idea. What they were doing. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, as the go ahead, Tyler. Oh, uh, I was just uh, saying. Uh, we, the uh they brought up like the ghost story again um like just a little bit do you, do y'all think it's actually coming back uh, sometime in the future or you think it's just out the window at this point so they brought it up and they were laughing about it so i think our, our ghost story just took a l yeah. permanent l <laughs> it's not bouncing back though no i don't think so it's very unfortunate i know y'all um, sad about it so no i'm Actually, very sad about it. I was very disappointed. <laughs> um, and how it got actually, actually, how it got brought up was uh, they got 
found out by the teacher. Uh, Nakami was trying to replace the lock for the door, and uh, I guess a, a teacher walked up, uh, Kura Shiki. And she's yeah. like, what are you guys doing in here? And he has no answers. Like, couldn't just say that, you know, I try to open the door and the door was broken. You know, say something, dog. He says nothing. So she walks up the stairs and she finds out, like, what the, you know, what do y'all have been doing up here? And then old Magiri comes in. She brought freaking ice cream. Uh, they, she was trying to just chill out, you know, maybe take a nap or something. And she goes up there and, they, you know, he, she finds those two up there and, uh, they they try to turn this thing into a astronomy club. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Well, before that, the teacher yeah. just goes at it and it's like, "Oh my god, are you guys having sex up here?" <laughs> like, which which makes the most sense to me. Yeah, yeah, but you know, our boy Nakami doesn't have riz for that, dude. No, no he's, way. he's frizzless right now. No way, dude. It really surprised me when she just brought. She was just like, "Are y'all having sex?" And I'm like. Bro, chill. What are you doing? Oh, like, nice. <laughs> Teachers at my school would have definitely just kept it, kept it at that, and be like, nah, they up there fucking. My high school Honor. was a a a uh, very odd place. Hundred percent, dude. Uh, we we're forgetting one thing though. How does a teacher come up there, anyways? Normally, a teacher doesn't come up there, but the damn cat, bro. That, that freaking cat, bro. <laughs> Hey man, that it's, cat ruined it all. They had it all on the cat. Oh yeah, that stole is right. Yeah, yes. the lettuce cat again. stole the yeah, stole the lettuce and walked in there, and she was chasing the freaking cat. That's how she came up over there. That is right. The second I, time it stole the lettuce, it must like the lettuce, bro. And it didn't eat it. It just brought it to uh, brought it to uh, Nakama Nakami. So. Yeah, um, I, I've I've had a cat for well over a year now, and if I know anything about cats, they just like being spiteful sometimes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how many times have you seen a video of a cat just knocking glass off a table or something just because? For entertainment. It's just know. looking at you after, like, yeah, like what you want to do? Yeah, exactly. That's why I try to keep my my cat happy. <laughs> well, they try, bro. They give it a they give it a seat to like take a nap in, and that's how they get repaid. Cat it takes lettuce now. to it. To that well. cat is and, and higher on the totem pole than both those guys. That's crazy. And then Magare puts it as uh, I guess what sleeping club number two and then she moves uh, Nakami down to three and he's just like can't believe it <laughs> I don't know if I could have taken that level of disrespect straight to the face like that nah no way man <laughs> <laughs> so with the you know the club being back open for business do you think uh, they'll be able to use room to sleep in still, or do you think it'll be like uh, become more populated in the future after the ghost story rumors are kind of dying out? You know, I hope so. I feel like it'd be fun if they added more characters to the story. Um, but before that, so basically they get caught and they're in class the next day, and they get called to the the teachers' lounge or the staff room, and they basically get confronted by the vice principal and two other teachers, and. Kurashiki kind of went to bat for him and was like, hey, we should start up the astronomy club again. And that's 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 what's going on now. So the school's on board. They're a super, super special science school or whatever they called it, which I laughed at. I was like, oh, my God, who says that? <laughs> super science, super science school. So now we have... have a super science school without a like a astronomy. astronomy I mean, whatever I mean the, the, it, it makes sense because like. A freaking observatory is not cheap. 
My no, little public school couldn't even afford books, and they got a whole ass telescope on the roof. I was going to say, yeah, like you got to use that if you got it. And that's kind of yes. the plan from now on. But I thought it was funny that the teachers didn't want them messing around with like $100,000 pieces of equipment. So they gave them like a kid's toy telescope to start with. <laughs> Freaking nutty. Hilarious. Well, I don't know what they're doing. Not even, uh, not even uh, Kurashiki, you know, who is the actual leader of the club now. She has no knowledge of space shit. So. Which nah, is she wild. was just trying to be nice. Space I, with shit. respect. Space <laughs> shit. <laughs> the stars, astronomy, dog. You should sure say it. I can't say it, bro. <laughs> so the episode ends with Nakami and Magiri up on the roof of the school building this kid's toy telescope. And they get it built. And, you know, they're trying to get it focused on the moon. And they eventually do. And they're like, wow, that's so cool. You can actually see the craters and stuff. And there was this really adorable like line right at the end of the episode that I heard. And it was Magari being like, if I end up on the moon, I'll wave down at you. And like a really cute way where she was standing up on the ledge with the moon behind her. I was like, oh, this is kind of adorable. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> so it, it brought space into it. So I'm into this yeah. one. Yeah, no, yeah. they reeled me in. They reeled me in. I was actually the, the president of astronomy, astronomy club in uh, high school. Really? Okay. Yeah, bro. Um, and by the president, I just mean, you know, I used to take girls stargazing in the middle of a a, a country field. You know what I'm saying? Do you think you think? You know what I'm saying? You make a couple sandwiches, stuff, you know, you know, get some candy on the way. Have you a nice king size blanket? Do you think? Do you think, bro? Some some nice uh, some nice uh, MD Mad Dog 2020. You know? Oh, you already know some <laughs> uh, cheap fortified old, wine, dude. The old school four locos, bro. Oh. You could share a can of those and get fucked up. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck getting back from your country bumpkin field, dude. I don't know how I got away with that for like three years, three or four years of my life. I would just tell people's parents, "Hey, I'm going stargazing," and they would <laughs> they would let their daughters go with me. I was like, "This is nuts!" But looking, you know, I thought I was smooth uh, at the time, being 17. But did you get a nice? Was... Did you get a nice like astronomy club sweatshirt you found at the Goodwill to wear? Because I would have been. Oh no, I had a telescope, deal. dog. I had, I had an actual telescope, and we he would we would look at stars sometimes. We would look at stars sometimes. Nice, you but you know, you take those somehow. city girls out to the country. They ain't used to all them stars. They love that shit. <laughs> hey, for our up. listeners, that's a hundred dollars worth of game for free ninety nine right there. Got you. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Bass is playing. Yeah, well, so that's why I was the president of the astronomy club. So that's why our boy has no risk because Bass took it all. Yeah, I love the stars. That's a wrap. It makes sense. Okay. Well, is that is that is that all we got? That's all <laughs> I had to say. I think that's it, man. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where this one. I'm I'm kind of excited to see where this one goes. You know, it's it's probably my first like slice of lifey kind of show, so I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I hope they're like the only thing that's lacking is like a real um, I guess conflict to push the story along. It'll it'll be some. Um Yeah, that's the only thing I'm waiting on. But it's still re- really, really early. So this this is what you call like a slow burn uh romance. So it's just like a slow, slow and steady, you know? So okay. all right. Bass doesn't know about those, dude. It takes one yeah. night with a king blanket and a telescope, baby. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Crash and burn, yeah. All right, all right, Bass. Can we get some Demon Slayer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got Demon Slayer season three, episode two. Yorichi Type Zero. 
So in this episode, we see uh, the Miss Hashira and Tanjiro train with a special doll uh, made after a famous swordsman from 300 years ago. As Tanjiro yeah. trains with this doll, um, there's some, some prizes, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but did, did anybody actually like the Miss Hashira? Ushiro? Oh, he's a dick, bro. Bro, he's asshole. Like, so, why I you gotta think... be acting like that, bro? No reason. I think he's just programmed that way, man. Like, I don't, like, Tanjiro said, he's like, I don't smell any ill intent from him. He's just wired that way, you know? Somebody get to talking to me like that. Well, maybe if he if he can fight like this, dude, I'm not going to say anything. You're going to step up to a 13-year-old prodigy who is a Hashira after like five months? I don't know, man. I, 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 I got I got a old, I got a nice little uh, 38 special in the closet. Let's see hey. if he can dodge that. No, he, he's going to dodge that. He's going to slice you up, dude. <laughs> no, I probably hey, wouldn't even challenge some, him. Bass. Get you some, bro. <laughs> no, he was, he was terrible, though. I, I really don't like him. Um, but it was interesting that, like you said, Dan, Tanjiro didn't sense any malice in him. I just think it would be interesting because he's got to have a little bit of character development in this season. I mean, so the, the focus from the Hashira side of things is the Miss Hashira and the Love Hashira, and they are polar opposites. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to kind of see how that dynamic works when they're fighting the whatever demons, you know, the upper ranked demons they end up fighting this one. I think it's four and five, so. I think, I think the Love Hashira will actually kind of help him out a little bit, you know, be more, uh, less of a dick, I guess you can say. I don't know. I mean, shit, dude. If, Are if we mommy, shipping them? Is that what's happening right now? I was going to say, if mommy love Hashira was talking to me when I was 13 years old, bro, I don't even know what I would do. I would just, I would, I would die internally. I would up. die on the inside. Like an icicle boy. But he's not even going to notice. No. Oh, no. No. He, man's is about his business, uh, to a fault, really. Hey, at least he ain't gonna. At least he ain't gonna stop her from running. We we ain't gotta worry about that. Just keep Tanjiro away. So, very true. Very true. So, so yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, did you guys realize it was a doll? No. Like at the end of the last episode, we see the young swordsmith boy, the Miss Tashira, and Yorichi, who we thought was Yorichi, the swordsman from three hundred years ago, mm-hmm. standing there. But you couldn't tell it was a doll. You couldn't tell that it had six fucking arms. Bro, I definitely thought that was like the upper rank one in disguise. A very thinly veiled disguise, but disguise. I mean, it makes sense looking back because we didn't see him move at all. So, <laughs> but I didn't think it was a doll. I thought it was a real person. No, Why? Thought... It couldn't have been the demon. He was standing out there in the sunlight, dude. That wouldn't work too well. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They, they, they have a problem with sun. Yeah, that's they, true. Just like the vampires, you know, demons don't like sunlight either, I guess. Yeah, I didn't put that together. So I'm, I'm going to work on my mental for next week. Um... I, mean, I thought maybe, you know, the dude somehow, like, I don't know, got the immortality uh, elixir or something and was still alive after that long. I don't know. Nah, yeah. man, that's that's what our boy Muzan is chasing, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I have I, I didn't really think about that, but that's what I thought at the time. Um. Yeah. So yeah, going back to the doll, the Type Zero doll was made after um a swordsman. I think it was the 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 fire. It looks like a sun breathing person, right? With the the earrings and the hair. Um, was modeled after a swordsman from three hundred years ago that knows over a hundred attacks, and to actually train this doll or like puppet or whatever they you want to call it to be as as i guess versatile 
as the real person, they had to give it six fucking arms. I thought that was so cool, man. It's like he, this guy was so OP. It was like he had six arms. Yeah, well, so you guys remember the flashback from episode one where Tanjiro's in his coma? Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's seeing shared memories from his ancestors. That's Yorichi. That's the guy the doll is emulated after. So, like, it's all bringing it full circle for us, you know? Yes, yes. And um, we see that the Miss Hashira is, like, pretty determined. He's smacking all uh, Kotetsu around trying to get that key out of him. And he ends up giving it to him. But, I mean, y'all think there's a reason he wanted to train with that doll so bad? Because it didn't seem like it was putting up much of a fight against him. Didn't didn't they say that the Miss Hashira is an ancestor of a sun-breathing, you know, of a swordsman of the sun-breathing type, which would be Yorichi, most likely? So, like, I think he's trying to, you know, show that, like, hey, ancestor ain't got nothing on me, you know, I'm the fucking shit. That's true. In his monotone, boring-ass way, but I think that's kind of what he's going for there, you know? Yeah, because he ended up breaking an arm off the, uh, off of the, uh, doll. (laughs) <laughs> he was, I mean, he was away, piecing bro. that thing up pretty easily he said it was a good training session but it didn't really seem like it one of the things i thought was crazy is that he broke his sword and after seeing tanjiro panicking every time he breaks his sword he's like nah i'm just gonna take this one it's all good man don't worry about it yeah i don't <laughs> think the swords are like that big of a deal when you get to a certain level because like they made us think at least in season one and and you know most of season two is like you know your sword is like the shit like you know your sword is very personalized and he just takes a completely different one and without really giving a crap um do you got well going back to that now that i'm thinking do you think he thought like maybe one of those those swords were like legendary so here's one thing that i was kind of thinking is so you know how when a demon slayer picks up a sword for the first time it changes colors yes to match the type of breathing that you have an affinity to mm-hmm. i thought since a doll had it the entire time it hadn't had that opportunity yet so if he just picks up a you know an eaterine blade that hasn't been used mm. by a demon slayer you know it should probably just become his sword right that would work out that makes sense too or yeah. he just doesn't give a shit i just don't, I, I don't think, think, I think he, he thinks he's so good that he doesn't care what sword he uses fair enough that sounds like him right yeah i think i think so too i think he just just doesn't care i think his mindset is like my sword broke against his sword so his sword's obviously better, so. <laughs> Definitely. So what do Which you guys is think? Solid logic. What do you guys think about <laughs> Sensei Kotetsu, dude? The little swordsman boy? Young Savage. Young Savage. <laughs> dude, he is, he, is, he is going hard on this. Tanjiro <laughs> doesn't land a blow. He doesn't eat or drink. And it's like three days Tanjiro goes without water. And he just looks like a shell of a man, dude. Like, he is down bad. Yeah, his, his cheeks were all sunken in. He was like, I'm going to die soon. <laughs> And uh, Tanjiro is like thinking in his mind, he's like, he doesn't even understand what he's putting me through. He does. He's like, he's never trained. He's just a kid. He doesn't know. He probably doesn't even know that humans need water and food to live. (laughs) It's fucking hilarious. It's pretty basic knowledge, I thought, you know? Uh, You would think so. Maybe it's different up in in that village, bro. I mean, Tanjiro came out of this training session with like a little ultra instinct going on, like... He got past just smelling and seeing the opening thread. He was able to like see moves coming and everything else. Like he kind of had an epiphany on his literal deathbed as he's crawling the river sticks over a no, bridge over the no. river sticks and falls in, dude. That was that was some bullshit. He he doesn't see the next moves. He smells them. Yeah, Tyler, did you think that was like 
bullshit or like what's up with that? Uh, it, it's something, bro. Like uh, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> They've been talking about Tanjiro's sense of smell since day but, one, though, but man. Knew, but how can he smell moves, bro? They don't even make any sense. Hey, man. I mean, he sees the strings. He smells the moves. Like just, the just opening give, thread. Just give it to I can, him. I can just follow that because that's like visual, right? But like. Yeah. Come on, bro. I mean, it didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me that, you know, like um, how he was able to get it. Like, did he have to almost die to achieve that? Like, I I don't get that. I think he just really had to get his ass beat a lot. I was going to say, I mean, it it happens a lot in anime where, you know, you are on the brink of death and you somehow, you know, through a classic ass pull, unlock your next level of power. I mean, it's up there with, you know, Goku getting all... I mean, it's not nearly as cool as Goku getting alternate, but the same idea, you know? He's just be... He's able to see things before they'd happen, you know? But how, what did you guys think about the scene where he's crossing the river and he's like a little spirit man with all the other guys and he falls in? I was cracking up. Oh, he thought he was dead. That, that was actually hilarious. I was like, no fucking way, dude. The show's over. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was... I was like, there's no way he's dying. So there's, I don't know what's going on here, but there's no way he's dying. Yeah, I was oh, thinking, I, th- I was thinking it was all in his head. He, he just thought he was dying. He'd have been what, I guess what'd you, it wasn't, though. I don't know. What'd you, what'd you guys think about Kotetsu taking it easy on him for a couple of days with the, uh, the clubs instead of the swords? I thought that was such a hilarious thing. He had to. He, like, even mentioned how weak he thought Tanjiro was. Like, and that made me think, like, is he just, like, an average or, like, below average demon slayer? Well, you know, because we know a lot of them die in the field. So, like, of everybody that's alive, like, you know, where does he rank? You know what I'm saying? Um, They've gone through the rankings, but, I mean, the man helped take down upper six. So, that's the first time they've taken down an upper demon in 200 and something years. Like, Tanjiro was right. that guy, you know? But okay. I don't think, I don't think little Kotetsu knows that, you know? Got you. Got Tan- you. Tanjiro's got a, a big case of surpassing his limits. That's all I'm, uh, I know to say about it. <laughs> y'all won't. Y'all won't leave it a fucking long, bro. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I, 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 uh, I was thinking maybe uh, Kotetsu is used to like being around Hashi. Uh, I was about to say Hashirama. Uh, Hashira. Um, Close. <laughs> I think I wrote Hashirama on the on the guide somewhere. Hey man, I was calling something Orochimaru. I was calling Orochi Orochimaru for like a day and a half, so it's fine. Yeah, I'll let you do it too. It, 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 it fucking happens. It fucking happens. But I think he's just used to around, used to being around like the the top tier people, and he was like, "Yo, this guy is really just not it." Well, yeah, and I mean, going to the Swordsmith Village is is very very rare. So they don't meet yes. a lot of team players. I feel like you know. That's true. I just don't know how Kotetsu can be that, uh, I guess, uh, knowledgeable about actual like sword fighting or whatever. Like he seems to be very knowledgeable about that, but he's pretty young. So talking out his ass, dude. He knows yeah, he has absolutely. no clue what he's doing. He has he's no clue what he's doing. He's just like Man. starving their boy, huh? <laughs> I think he was just so determined for like Tanjiro to go beat uh, Ushiro's ass. That he was like, nah, he has to get with it today. That's literally it, dude. That's literally it. He's like, I fucking hate that guy. You're going to (laughs) kick his ass for me because I can't. Remember all the stuff he was saying he he wanted him to say to him? 
I it was remember, crazy. It was hilarious. It was it was a little much. I watched it during lunch today. I was like, yo, this guy's this kid's gotta chill out. He's like, oh, you know, I hope you get sick and die. It was all kinds of crazy stuff, man. I loved it. And Tanjiro was just like, heart. bro, you you're going too far. You need to calm down. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> you can't say that to people. And he's like, no, you're gonna say it to him. I was just like, like, bro, what? Tanjiro is also the nicest person in the world. <laughs> That's what makes it so fucking funny. Hey, <laughs> I, I was kind of worried for a minute for uh, Nezuko. You know, uh, our boy uh, Miss Tashira was kind of giving the giving the box an eye. I just thought it was so funny because they went over all this like last season, and he has strict orders from the head honcho to not damage Nezuko, like not attack Nezuko, and he's just so oblivious that he completely forgot. <laughs> is that what that was? I thought he was just trying to be a menace. No, like, I, no. I thought he just like knew and was like, "Yeah, let me go fuck with this kid." No, no, okay. he literally forgets meeting Tondra like the next day. Oh yeah, that is right. He's a diss. <laughs> he's just he's in his own case. world. Yeah, he's in his total own world space case. So once Tondra gets his Ultra Instinct vibe going on here, he basically you know takes down Yorichi Type Zero, the ro the human doll. And it's kind of crazy because he gets a good slash in the head while dodging one of his attacks, which was awesome to see. And basically just beheads the thing. The head cracks. And it turns out there's a sword hanging inside of this, you know, human doll. Super secret sword. And like, I think that, you know, obviously that's got to be the hidden, the hidden weapon that uh, the Love Hashi was talking about last episode. Oh, but I never, I, I didn't. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm man, didn't even finish watching the episode. God damn it, Tyler! I I gotta go back and watch episode uh, one where they had the whole flashback scene and see if it's the same sword as Yorichi had. Ooh! But I'm ooh. pretty sure that's a 300 year old sun breathing god's sword, and that's Tanjiro's. That's gonna be Tanjiro's bag from now on, dude. True. Man, I knew I knew the sword was gonna be special, but. I didn't connect the dots from what the love Hashira said to Tanjiro, you know, in the sword. Like, until Dan just said it. I was just like, bro, what? Oh, okay, okay. okay. Uh, we thought you was over there slacking, bro. No, I'm uh, messing. Nah, if, anybody, if anybody's slacking, it's me who didn't watch episode three of My Home Heroes, so don't worry about it. <laughs> hey, you got through that segment pretty well. I fake it so you make it, baby. <laughs> you did a really good job, honestly. I, I said one thing about the Yakuza being, being scary. <laughs> <laughs> I will I just mean, speak very generally now. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot, so yeah. Yeah, but this sword, I think, I think it's gonna be a huge game changer, man. And like, that's a good point. I'm probably I'm gonna go back and watch and see if that was the same sword. Um, I'm thinking probably it was whoever made that that a uh, puppet bot training bot. Uh, that's probably that sun breathing master's sword. Is it? it I feel like it's got to be. You it know, has to be. It, the the human doll looks just like him. It has the same fucking name. Like, you got to put two and two together. You know. Yeah, that's true. And I th I think that's what the Miss Hashira was looking for. You know, because one, he's the descendant of a sun breathing master. That's the bot that he was made after, and I'm sure he knows that. But I, I guess he just didn't think to just fucking break the thing and, and open it. Oh, that's Tondro's now. Mine. Yeah, yeah hey, baby. That sword probably ain't gonna break either. Like his uh, old shitty swords that whatever Whoa. the hell his name uh, makes. Uh, that he, run worked off. Hard on, he worked hard on those, man. Not hard <laughs> enough. 
I don't even know his name. I can't even talk shit about it's, him. It's not even important anymore. Yeah. Haga, Haga, we don't need him. Yeah. It's like Haga Zuma or something We've like that. We've seen him. We've seen him in this episode too, right? Yeah. Well, lurking, lurking in the shadows, you know, yeah. like, oh, fuck, that's the guy who keeps breaking my shit and getting me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's coming for Tanjiro eventually, bro. 100%, dude. Well, that was pretty much the end of the episode. You guys want to get on a one piece? Yes, well, sir. Yeah. So on to episode 1058 of Goat Piece. Onslaught of Kazenbo, Orochi Maru's. Just kidding. Orochi's <laughs> evil clutches close in. So basically in this episode, Kazenbo, the giant fire specter, symbolizing the burning wrath of the Kurozumi clan, rampages through the castle, creating panic among both the Animal Kingdom pirates, the samurai, and the Straw Hat pirate. Orochi, who's watching the excitement, suddenly hears a sound that brings back old memories. So cute. So cute. Hmm. Bro, you guys don't even know what's coming on with that. I don't. You're right. I'm fucking, I'm fucking uh, hyped. I'm, it might be, I don't, it's probably not going to be episode, next episode on One Piece. Give it like seven episodes, but. <laughs> Two months from now. Not even going to remember this conversation. <laughs> now, I hope he, he Yori, like, just fucking drops his bitch ass. Ooh, just wait, dude. Just wait bet but uh <laughs> so in this episode we get apu one of the numbers and i'm spacing out on drake x drake x drake x drake still chase you know they're still talking apu's still being a dumbass trying to get yamato to join his team it's not gonna happen momo our boy is over there making some headway with the flame clouds he's actually got a little cloud going on i'm really proud of him he got him a little ring i saw that i was yeah you know he's he's, he's putting like a, it together out there he, big finger in a dude finger in a dude i i just want y'all to know i'm so glad that i don't have to see momo for more than two minutes an episode crying i Thank needed you. a break from him yeah that got tiring there for a couple of months good job with the pacing guys but now now, now we just get to see Apupu, whatever the hell his name is, over here crying. <laughs> I fucking hate his voice. I, I hate Apu Play so school. much. I love how not only the audience hates Apu, but the people inside of One Piece hate Apu too. They all he's know he's, a, he's an absolute dumbass. Yeah, he's like up there with um, the Swamp Song Fruit guy. I fucking hate that guy too. But that's a great power. I actually really, really enjoy that power. But he is a he's a little bitch, straight up. Definitely, Definitely, man. Um, but yeah, we kind of just have... It's one of the funny parts of this episode was you have one of the numbers. I can't remember his name. Just like like going all in. He's like, I want to play with you, Yamato. I love you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I ain't got time for this, bro. I'll play with you later. I'll play with you later. And I, I love how they have like such a good friendship. Because like Yamato really meant that shit. I just don't have time right now. You can see the look on her face. So they're playmates, even though he's like a giant ogre beast thing. He was I like mean, a Pegasus ogre, dude. He was nuts. I didn't realize right. he had I didn't realize he had a horse body. <laughs> yeah, Wait, that is he? true. No, I he didn't does. realize that. Yeah, oh. I didn't realize that. I still didn't realize that. Shows you how much I pay attention, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. who wants to see the reaction shots anyway? <laughs> But I believe it was right after that scene when old Kazembo basically like, well, I guess it was before that. Uh, CP, CP0 was still chasing down Brooke and 
Nico, Nico Robin, and Kazembo basically just shows up out of nowhere and just starts leveling shit. And Nico Robin and Brooke fall and land on old numbers head. And they're like, what the fuck are we in right now, dude? They're just up on a giant numbers fro hanging out. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Nico Robin's like, this is hair. Like, what the hell? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Zoro and King's fight, how that's been going. Uh, Zoro's getting cooked, uh, absolutely cooked right now, which is something we don't get to see a lot of. Even when he's fighting like the number twos for most of the villains, he usually has a pretty good handle on what's going on. But I mean, we're getting to, you know, emperor level people here. Um, he calls one of King's attacks unblockable. And it's like, he said it's like a laser beam. And I think it was something weird where, like, uh, King pulled back his head and, like, he curled up his lip and then shot something at it, or is it self? I can't remember. It, it was his, like, per his pterodactyl nose, but it kind of looked like a gum gum fruit ability, you know? Like, I thought That's it was true, really funny. Yes. It looked like a gum gum rocket coming out of his face. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I didn't dude? know what the fuck was going on. I believe All he we even, like, uh, described it later in the later on. He was like, this is how we used to hunt back in the day, boys, or something like that. I'm gonna tell you right now that I fucking love dinosaurs, mm. and pterodactyls cannot do that. <laughs> That's what he was saying, though. Did he not? Did y'all not hear? Oh, that he definitely too? did. He's like, this is how the mighty pterodactyl used to hunt back in the day with rubber maybe. band spear noses, dude. Like, maybe, what the fuck? Maybe, maybe in One Piece, bro. <laughs> maybe, they maybe don't know about that. Maybe Jurassic Park had it all wrong, dude. But yeah, Zoro, Zoro's just like, you know, he's lost over here right now. And I don't know. I don't think I remember a time when I seen Zoro like acting like this besides maybe back when he uh, uh, got a hold of, what's his name, Kuma? Yeah, he couldn't oh, do shit yeah. with Kuma. No one could. Well, it's I mean, like, that's, that's the only time I remember. One thing that I thought was crazy is when King went back to his humanoid form and was just overpowering Zoro with one sword. And, like, absolutely just had him on his heels for a solid, you know, 30 whole seconds. Yeah. And, and like, Zoro's cooked. I mean, he, he's a, I said he's cooked, but uh, he, he was really confused about how sturdy King's body was. He said he slashed him earlier and he did not cut him. And, uh, and you know, outside of, like, the birdcage, we've seen Zoro cut some crazy stuff, man. So that's that. That was really concerning for him because he doesn't even know how to attack him. Homeboy's got flames coming out of his back. He's like, "Is that part of his devil fruit, or is that you know, is he something weird?" He was very confused. Yeah, he kind of says like, "Oh, you dinosaur guys and dragon guys are real tough." And you just see King with like a little. I mean, you can't see his face, but he's just you know, he's you know, he's got a shitting and grit on under oh, that he's mask. Like a and he's like, eh, "There might be a little more to that man. Might be a little more to that." And yeah. um, gonna get into that in the future, but. No, Zoro. Also, Zoro's got to figure something out, man. I mean, you saw when he was he picked up Enma, and it just started sucking the Conqueror's hockey out of him. Like his arm just went arm in it out of nowhere, and like he doesn't have that sword under control yet. So it's, you got to worry for a boy here. Yeah, and I think he's kind of lost his confidence right now. Um, he just he's getting shit on, and he just lost his confidence. And he even said, you know, I got to do something because. You know, Sanji can't take care of both of these people. I I have to I have to you know hold a my end basically. Yeah, and when you do not see Zoro ever no. thinking about that. He's just bodies, folks. 
Yeah. Whenever we see Zoro fighting, it's just like, okay, that's that's one low diff. <laughs> like for real though. Like it's it's always it's been like that since I mean he fought Mihawk for the most part, you know? Outside of like maybe one or two fights, and this being one of them. I think yeah. I think he could get Queen easily, but King is just a different beast, bro. I think he'd no, have a no. way better time with Queen, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's why. That's why Sanji, the number three, is over there, or number, number four, four, number four. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know where Jinbei is right now, but he's got to step up, dude. Yeah, he's got to go get in the real fight because this is. Yeah, Zoro's getting absolute. He's getting his ass beat. But yeah, he's worried, man. Yeah, I hate to see and my man like that. I think it's good. You know, it's fun to see people face adversity and a challenge, and that's how. I mean, that's how people grow in One Piece, so I'm excited to see where Zoro comes out of this, you know, if he does. Yes. Speak- I, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, speaking of, like, uh, the Zoro uh, situation and stuff, have y'all been seeing, like, on Twitter and social media where uh, a lot of people is upset that um, One Piece is reusing, like, the old animations of Zoro and Enma for uh, this episode? Uh, actually comparing it, going as far as comparing it to Boruto's anime? And what they do? Did y'all so, feel like this was an issue? Did y'all see that? Yeah, I don't think it's an issue. I, th- I thought that was that was pretty dumb uh, for people to do that. To be honest with you, a lot of shows reuse their animations. Oh yeah, god, watch almost watch every Gun- every show uses reuse go, their animations. Go watch Gundam Seed, and let me tell you, they they reuse a lot of animations in that one. Yeah, it just saves them time, money, money, and effort. Like it lets them. Well, One Piece isn't doing it, but uh. It lets them focus on other things. Um, I'm sure they are, they are actually doing that, but like, why work harder than you have to? And you got you already got some great shots lined up. Change the color, run it back. Yeah, so I didn't it's not actually, like episode after episode. You know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I didn't see that on Twitter, so I'll have to go take a look for that. But I don't know. I think it's fine. You know, it's again, it's a weekly show. Like they're pumping pumping content out. Like if you got to reuse a couple frames here and there, that's fine. Yeah, yeah I mean, the only the thing I really didn't like about it is they were comparing it like the Boruto anime. I mean, the difference is, is you know, uh, One Piece animation, especially like this, the scene with Zoro that they're talking about, like it goes hard. You know, it went hard on the first time we seen it or whatever. And you know, Boruto's and like this scene can it outdoes any scene in Boruto, honestly. So, yeah, I, I'm like I said, I'm okay with reusing animation, like. If, if if you got a banger sequence lined up, use it. You know. Yeah. Have you all seen even... Boondocks before? Yeah, I haven't. No. They use Naruto fights okay. all the time. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not an I guess it's not technically an anime, but it's freaking great, Tyler. Um, it's about some some hood kids, a hood family that moves to the suburbs. They went win the lottery, but they like box in that show. Like it's just like they get like evil villains and they like box them up. But they use okay. Naruto's animations. And I don't blame them for doing that. Like, why that's remake ho- something if you're not good at doing that? That's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's dope, bro. It's actually dope. Uh, I didn't notice it until somebody posted it on Twitter. I was like, yo, that makes a lot of sense. Hell yeah. Uh, but No, I'm excited to see where the whole Zoro Queen, or sorry, Zoro King fight goes, as well as Sanji and Queen. I, I would love them to both just wrap them up and let us get back on the roof for the main the main event, you know? Yeah. I'll see you next year on that one. Um, Kanzimbu actually swallowed up the CP0 agents. Like, what, what what was up with that? Y'all think that they took any damage off that? 
Are they really that goaded like that? I, I mean, so. I, I think they're probably fine. I mean, these are the guys who are like technically at the time, like above Lucci level and Lucci's kind of a badass. So I think they'll, they'll come out of that just fine, you know? Okay. I think it sold them down enough though for Robin and them to kind of, you know, scurry away a little bit more. So yeah, it helped at least they don't bit. even have to warm up now. That's nice. <laughs> hey, <laughs> chill, bro. <laughs> I had to slip that in there. So um, I guess the last part of the episode we haven't talked about yet is everybody's least favorite person in Onigashima, Orochi, is hiding in a warehouse, being a little bitch, and he starts hearing. It's not a biwa. I don't remember what they call it. But it's uh, like the biwa you see in Demon Slayer. It's another... They're calling it the Japanese banjo. Sorry, guys. I'm not that culture. I'm going to keep it a book with you. It's, <laughs> it's a three-stringed instrument. And um, I love you looked up the name of it. I'm just spacing out on it. <laughs> At least like Dan it, did his research. I just called the I tried, page. man. I tried, man. It's the three... Biwas have four strings. This one has three strings. But he hears the music playing. He's like, that sounds really familiar. I wonder what's going on. And he peeks out the door, and we see Hiyori there, or Kumurasaki, for those who don't know. If you listen watch One Piece, you should know that it's actually Hiyori, who is yeah, we all know old Momo's sister. And um, she's supposed to be dead. So he thinks it's a ghost, and he's like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> but it's going to lead down the line to some really awesome... Um, scenes down the line but what do you guys think about her coming back and just being in the middle of this giant brawl like why is she there i thought we had already established that she faked her death no yeah no not that she did oh okay, okay. Uh, she faked so... her death but why is she on the battlefield like that why did she go to how did she get up in the air because she a real one what you talking about i just no, I don't i'm messing around her. i have no idea i just don't remember her being there at the start you know and it's like okay the island is you know I do wonder how she got feet in the sky. So it's like, I wonder what happened. I mean, she must have just snuck in the beginning. Yeah, I don't recall her being there either. Um, but as far as it goes, Orochi, like, like, uh, he thinks that she's dead. The only people that know she's alive is like a uh, family, I guess. I think knows that she's alive, and uh, blue long haired dude. Well, I was um, gonna say, I think it's just him, right? Like, is it? I thought. I, I thought that. I thought that some one of the retainers kind of knew too. Blue long hair dude. Uh, uh one of the samurai. Uh the yeah. dude who used to have the dope uh pompadour the funny looking, looking thing. face. Oh, homeboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to talk about. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember. Um I know she hasn't met up with Momo yet, so that's her only family, but it'd be interesting to see where this goes. Um Yeah. It, like the conversation that they, they were kind of having uh, was pretty cool. Like or- Orochi thought he was it's like, am I in the afterlife? And she was like, I would never leave you. <laughs> so it's going to be, it's going to be, I think, I hope she, she just, just kicks fucking, him in the nuts. She fucking hates his guts. So oh, well, naturally. I, all I'm saying is I hope, I hope uh, Orochi gets got. <laughs> you going to get, got, get, 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 get her. Just don't cut his neck anymore. <laughs> Somebody needs to get a memo out there. But but yeah, awesome. Guys. You guys got anything else for One Piece? That's uh, it for me, my man. Yeah, I think that's all for me, too. I guess that's a wrap on the old weekly rundown. Uh, make sure you guys head over to our link tree. It's in the bio description of every podcast. Uh, follow us on all our socials. And make sure to tune in on Thursday. We're going to get a little degenerate. All right, guys. Appreciate you hanging out.